We basically help people you know, overcome this sort of nightmarish burden of technology. We noticed that most entrepreneurs don't get into business because they love dealing with technology. So our vision and mission is about kind of removing that so that entrepreneurs can really focus on what they do best. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone, I've got a special guest for you today. His name is Landon Ray of Entreport, which is an all-in-one business and marketing automation platform that removes the burden of technology for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Landon, how's it going? It's going good, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us about who you are and what you do? Who I am? Well, I'm Landon Ray, and I'm the founder of Entreport. And Entreport is a 10-year-old uh, software as a service platform that we actually started originally because we needed these tools ourselves in this other business that I started. And eventually, we realized that other businesses needed these things too. The way it started was that we had to do online marketing. We had to do lead capture and follow-up. We needed to integrate our sales team into, this, into the process. We needed to be able to track which ones of our ads were working and which ones weren't. And we had, um, you know, kind of like all these little tools and data all over the place. And we weren't able to, you know, kind of create a seamless process and understand what was working and what wasn't in our business. And um, so what we realized was that having kind of, you know, disparate tools all over the place, you know, something for your website and another place to capture emails and send emails and another place to store your lead and prospect data and another place for your salespeople to deal with their stuff and another place for payments to happen and kind of on and on. It just uh, wasn't working for a real business. And and uh, so since then, we've turned that into a product in about 2008, uh, 2009, we really kind of began to take off and, um, and have been providing, you know, our service to to now thousands and thousands of businesses all over the world for since then. And uh, and yeah, we basically help people, you know, overcome this sort of nightmarish burden of technology. We noticed that most entrepreneurs don't get into business because they love dealing with technology. And I know you just you just mentioned before we started here that a lot of your listeners are are uh, tech entrepreneurs. So what I'm saying is that most entrepreneurs aren't like you. And so really. Um, Technology occurs to them as this giant hassle and a burden and really something that stops them more often than it enables them. So our vision and mission is about kind of removing that so that entrepreneurs can really focus on what they do best. That's great. And, you know, something that you touched upon, I think is really interesting. A lot of people, I think, especially people in the in the service-based industries are really looking to, you know, kind of go into software and things like that. So I guess the question for you would be, what business were you running uh, before Entreport? And when did you decide that it was, you know, the right time to, to get out of the old business? Uh, man, now you're going way back. Uh, so in 2004, I started this other business called Page One. 
And in 2004, we were in a different world, a time when real estate in America was exploding, uh, actually all over the world, and uh, in, in value. And so everybody and their brother was getting a real estate license. I think the number of realtors in America went from like a million to four million in, in the space of a couple of years uh, in, in that period of time. And at the same time, Google was really coming into prominence. Everybody knew that you could like Google something already, but they didn't understand or they were just beginning to understand the value of having your business show up at the top of those search rankings and, and, and that there was a, a kind of a, a methodology to make that happen. And so basically what we did is we created a very early SEO company that uh, was working specifically for realtors. And we had an interesting model where we would uh, actually make websites. We made a thousand websites for cities all over America and we got them ranked first. And then we went out to the realtors and, and basically rented those websites uh, once they got ranked to the realtors. And it was an interesting business model uh, and it was working. Uh, but then basically the inevitable occurred, which was that Google continued to get better at filtering out guys like us. And uh, it didn't all come crumbling down, but I could kind of see the writing on the wall. Uh, after a couple of years, it, it, it got harder and harder to get those websites ranked. And I realized that we were probably not the kind of websites that Google really ultimately wanted at the top of their rankings and, and that they would probably end up winning that battle. And so I, I felt like, you know, our days were numbered. Uh, but in the meantime, we built all these amazing internal tools. So at that point, we, we kind of uh, pivoted and uh, started focusing on turning those internal tools into a product that, that eventually became Entreport. Got it. So at what point do you look at the numbers and you say, you know, okay, this, this thing's trending in the right direction. We can kind of jettison the old business and go full-time on it. You know, what number did you kind of have to hit? What was that in your mind? Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I had a, uh, I mean, if you're talking about like financially, I had a unique advantage and that was that, I, that this was my second career. And I had had a pretty successful first career as a trader on Wall Street and had, had uh, you know, kind of amassed a small fortune that I was using to fund this whole thing. So, um, so revenue uh, wasn't really, a, I mean, I think we were probably doing, you know, $20,000 a month when I canned that other business or $25,000 a month, something like that. When I canned that first business, it was, uh, you know, real money, but it was not, the ultimate thing was that it, it wasn't a scalable model. It would just, that business wasn't going to work. And so I wasn't, you know, I was at a place in my life where I wasn't going to spend any time on something that wasn't going to work. Got it. Okay. So you saw the writing on the wall with the, with the other business and then you saw the growth rates trending in the right direction for entrepreneur and you just felt right about it. And then that's why you made the move, right? Actually, not quite. Um, no, we, I actually just literally out of the blue canned page one, one, I came, I, I woke up one morning and was like, you know what, we're going to lose to Google. And, uh, and so I'm not spending any more time on this. I actually just fired basically everybody in the business, except for our two uh, engineers who are still with me. They're our CTO and our chief principal architect today. And, uh, and I basically said, and I, and actually one customer service person, I, I, I didn't just take, you know, shut down the business. I, we stopped selling the product, but for our existing customers, we, I had one person supporting them. Yeah. So we basically spent the next two years, uh, without a product to sell. We, um, we spent a lot of time building this thing. Okay, so I mean, I mean, before we walk walk through, you know, uh, Entreport as a business, I mean, can, can you just tell me how you know how you felt, you know, having to let go of everyone and then just kind of you know the next two years not really having anything to sell? How did that make you feel? To be totally honest, that business 
So if I had to let go of people today, that would, you know, be incredibly heartbreaking because I've created something, uh, we have created something that's totally different than what page one was. Uh, we have a, 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 you know, a real culture here and, and a, an environment where people care about each other. And, and, you know, I feel a commitment to the, to the people on my team. Um, at that time, the way that business was organized, um, you know, we were basically doing a lot of cold calling and it wasn't a terribly, you know, family oriented environment uh, and they didn't feel any uh, sort of commitment to me. And I didn't feel a lot of commitment to them either. And uh, it was, I think that everybody was, um, it was fine. I wasn't breaking anybody's heart, uh, shutting that thing down, including my own. Uh, in terms of the financial aspect, you know, I, it wasn't like I was making money before. $25,000 doesn't, we had a bunch of employees. I wasn't making money. So uh, I wasn't making money before we stopped that business. And I wasn't making money after we stopped the business. So uh, it was just, you know, more time of not making money, I guess. Got it. Okay, great. So let's jump into Entreport for a little bit. I mean, how do you guys make money exactly? Well, we charge a monthly fee for access to our platform. Got it. Okay. And what is what does the pricing look like? Uh, we have all sorts of different uh, levels. Uh, it actually starts at uh, free. We have, have a, a free landing page uh, tool. You can create your own landing pages and host them on the internet at no charge. Uh, that's at uh, entrepages.com, O-N-T-R-A-P-A-G-E-S.com. Uh, and then you can sign up for kind of a premium version of that service for 15 bucks a month. Then when you want to add uh, kind of our marketing automation and CRM platform, that begins at 79. So you can kind of upgrade from there. Uh, that begins at $79 a month for most of the features, but not all. And then the, the robust platform uh, that kind of we built the, you know, that is the backbone of this whole business is $297 a month. Got it. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, small businesses that are just starting out can kind of get their feet wet a little bit. And then when they're ready to get, you know, playing the big leagues, they can go up to the 297. That's right. Perfect. Okay. So early days, I mean, how did you go about acquiring, let's just say your first hundred customers? You know, uh, this business from literally from the very beginning was built on, on uh, word of mouth. We, until, until about a year ago, uh, not even quite a year ago, yeah, about a year ago, uh, we had pretty much a $0 marketing budget. So how we got those first customers was me going to marketing conferences and networking, basically, and meeting people. And, uh, and then I made some kind of key early partnerships uh, with people that got us, um, you know, our first few hundred customers. And then the word just started to spread. Honestly, it happened very fast at the beginning. It went, we went from, uh, you know, I think that you've heard that we struggled for a long time, but then when we, when it finally worked, it worked pretty fast. Uh, we went from, you know, maybe a couple dozen customers to a thousand customers over the space of, you know, a month or two. Great. And how many customers do you have today? Uh, well, thousands uh, of Entreport customers, uh, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, 6,000. Ball, ball, I don't actually keep up with it on a day-to-day -day basis, but, uh, you know, some were shy of 10,000 Entreport customers, over five, under 10. Uh, we also just, the Entrepages app that I just mentioned, we just launched that uh, not even a year ago. It was in October of last year. And I think we're maybe at twelve or thirteen thousand customers on there. Wow. Okay. And just to just to clarify, I, I might have missed this. So, is Entrepages like a, a tool that helps you make landing pages quickly? Yeah. Exactly. 
Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, that's great. So you talked about networking for a second. I, I think a lot of people, you know, lots, you know, people listening to this too, you know, when you go, when you talk about networking, I think people oftentimes they make the mistake of not being really kind of deliberate about how they do it. So what did you do exactly when you went to these conferences? Were you targeting people specifically? What were you doing exactly to get these contacts? I think mostly, you know, I would say I, I started by making friends, uh, you know, mostly listening actually. Uh, not being shy. And, you know, I think that, you know, if you're talking, if your audience is tech entrepreneurs, uh, you know, we may be a bunch of introverts. I, I certainly uh, fit into that category. Um, but uh, I've, I've, you know, forced myself to just walk up to people. So I'd go to marketing conferences. Um, and, and also, you know, I wasn't just going to the marketing conferences to network. I was going to learn, right? I needed to learn marketing. Uh, but, um, but, you know, I, I, every person I sat down next to, uh, I would, I would, uh, you know, introduce myself and ask them about their business. Every, per, you know, every time there was a break, you know, I would, I would, you know, grab a cup of coffee and then just start walking up to people. So, you know, I just nurtured relationships. And, and when I found um, people that, you know, maybe had something to teach me or had relationships that, that, you know, with customers that, that might be, good for me in the future. Um, I, you know, nurtured those a little more and stayed in touch. I told them what we were up to. I, I, um, you know, gave them free access to our platform. Uh, you know, a lot of it was about really creating early on those partnerships. It was about creating an offer that, that they couldn't refuse. So I really focused on making sure that I was giving them something that there was an easy yes for those, those partners. Love it. Okay. And how many conferences do you think you were attending in the early days per year? Oh my God. It, uh, I mean, first of all, it wasn't just the first year. It was four years, right? I mean, I started attending conferences in 2004, and I only, I mean, I, I finally weaned myself off of them probably in 2011 or 12 or so. And now I, I still go to one or two. I, I, I prefer not to anymore. I've got people that we send to conferences now. But, um, but yeah, it was years and years of lots of conferences. I mean, I don't even know how many, but you know, certainly I was traveling every month and maybe more than once a month somewhere um, to, to go to a conference. Love it. Okay, great. That just gives people an idea of, of how much work actually goes into this quote unquote networking thing. Um, so what's working for you nowadays in terms of customer acquisition? What's super effective? Um, yeah, so we have, uh, well, first of all, you know, the most effective thing remains word of mouth. So, uh, you know, 75% of our customers are just coming to us because they, they heard about us from a friend. Um, so that's, you know, having a great product is the most effective customer acquisition plan. <laughs> uh, beyond that, getting the word out, um, our freemium product is working really well. Like I said, we've, uh, you know, with a pretty minimal ad budget, we've added um, 12,000 or 13. I don't know what the numbers are right now, but, you know, we had a lot of customers every single day to that Entrepages um, platform. And, and obviously a lot of those aren't prospects, but many of them are. One of the things that we, we learned early on actually is uh, what finally kind of helped us turn the corner was, was that we, we had this more expensive product. We started with a $300 product uh, and we kind of struggled along there for a while. And it wasn't until we launched a $30 product that we really took off. And the plan was that we would have this $30 product and that people would get a taste and then they would upgrade. And that happened a little bit, but not nearly as much as, as something surprising that happened. And, and what it was, was that uh, 
people got the $30 product and they liked it and they were actually weren't qualified for the $300 product. They didn't have a business uh, yet. They didn't have products yet. Really, they couldn't support, you know, a $300 bill every month, but they liked what we were doing. They liked us as an organization and they told their friends. It really kicked off the word of mouth. And so other people started just showing up for our, our flagship product because of the large number of people we were getting on this low end product. So I think that that's uh, happening uh, again for us with this freemium product. You know, some of them definitely are upgrading and that's working, but, uh, but also it's generating just a lot of good word of mouth for the entrepreneur brand. So, uh, so, you know, I say 75% of people are coming via word of mouth. You know, I don't know how many of those uh, people were told check out Entreport by Entreport's customers, for example. Um, but we have a, a strong sense that that's a good thing for us. Uh, and then the other thing that's really working for us is, is content marketing. We, we've um, battled through that for a long time uh, and, and have finally figured out kind of how to make that work for us. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough gig, but once it's working, it's, it can be really good. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I actually heard of you guys word of mouth. It's, you know, a lot of people probably think, oh, word of mouth, how, do you, how are you supposed to scale that? But the thing is, that's exactly how I heard of you guys. It's not through online marketing or whatever. It's just somebody just told me about it. Um, and I, I think the other thing, the key point that you're mentioning is oftentimes, you know, when you think you're, you're struggling, when you are struggling, you just need to make one small tweak and then boom, you know, a big, a big change happens, which is exactly what happened to you guys, which is great. So I guess the next question would be, you know, Entrepalooza, crazy name. What is that? Tell us about it. <laughs> it's our annual users conference. Uh, we started at five, this will be our fifth year, I think. And, um, and it's just a time for, uh, you know, customers and entrepreneurs. It's typically about 50, 50, but half the people that come to Entrepreneurs are our customers. And the other half are, are just, um, you know, entrepreneurs that want to learn about, you know, marketing and growth, uh, of their businesses. I would say two thirds of the content is, is not Entreport platform related. You know, it's just general, uh, you know, you, you can go to entrepreneurs.com and see the speaker lineup. We have, we have a, a ridiculous lineup this year. Uh, Sophia Morosa, um, Neil Patel, Ryan Dice, um, and a whole bunch more. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some major names. The, 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 the couple over at Basic Bananas, Francisca and Crystal are going to be back. Uh, oh, uh, Dale Bowman is going to be there. Uh, we just we just got him on board. I can't remember all the names right now, but um, these are you know if, if these names aren't ringing a bell, um, you're probably not going to enough conferences because these are these are um, you know major names uh, in in our industry, and uh, and they have good stuff. Oh, the man one of the co-founders of Netflix is going to show up and talk. So yeah, we you know bring a bunch of, of, of big name speakers out. Uh, we have some of our clients. One of the unique things about having a business in marketing technology is that is that uh, you know many of our clients are kind of like underground, you know, rock stars. They're not in the business of of you know teaching people how to do marketing or whatever. So they're not out uh, you know speaking about it normally, but you know they're crushing it in their industries. And so um, you know we have access to to these. These, these people that you sometimes otherwise wouldn't have heard of. And so we'll get some of our really successful clients coming out and talking. And then, and then like I said, about a third of the content is um, you know, designed for our customers to really make the most out of this you know, very robust platform that we built. Awesome. That sounds good. And if you guys want a preview to kind of who exactly Neil Patel is, you can also listen to my podcast with him, Marketing School. You guys can Google that. But I guess, you know, one of my questions would also be, I mean, doing live events and things like that, you know, obviously big undertaking. 
Um, what has that done for your business? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting question that we review every single year, to be totally honest. And uh, I think it's done uh, a, a number of different things. One is it's really helped us, uh, and this is this is honestly the number one thing. It is it's really helped us uh, create the kind of like entrepreneur the, the entrepreneur culture around our company. So not just our internal culture. We can do that without a, without a, an event, right? But um, you know. If you come around the Entreport uh, community, you know you'll notice that it, there's a certain culture around our um, around our company. We have a, a whole lot of of you know really raving fans and, and people that that have been with us for years and years and years, and um, and that you know feel like part of this um, you know this this project that we're building together, and that's you know, on purpose and, and really a big part of what makes this fun and Entrepalooza, you know, being able to meet these people in person and, uh, you know, sit down with them and talk to them and hear about their business and put a face to a name. I'm pretty active in our, in our Facebook group, but, but, um, you know, that little picture next to your, next to your name, you know, I don't always look at, you know, I can't really see people so much, but, but I know a lot of our customers by name and, uh, and to be able to put faces and names, uh, it's just it's just you know really valuable. A lot of people come every single year, and um, and so the cultural aspect is a big piece of it. Uh, another thing is that you know it gets us customers, it gets us a lot of press, create a lot of content. We you know we come out of that, we film the whole thing, and we come out uh, come out of that with tons and tons of of, uh, of great content. It's not a moneymaker. We break even on it every year. No, let's just say, you know, somebody in the, in the audience is interested in doing like a live event. What's one hire or one thing they need to do to, you know, make it all work? Oh, man. Uh, I got to be honest. I'm not uh, in charge of, of uh, Entrepalooza. Uh, our president, Lana Requist, is it is completely 100% her baby. I, uh, I do what I'm told. I show up and, and I write uh, two speeches each year. And, uh, and I show up where I'm supposed to. Um, and I would say that in general, that would be a good idea for most founders. I, I think that uh, if, if my experience is any guide, you know, most founders are, you know, kind of like more visionary, uh, maybe product people. And, uh, and, you know, I've been lucky slash smart enough to get uh, Lena Request on board early on in our business. Uh, as soon as we got traction, I started looking for a, a chief operating officer, and she's now president. But she, you know, largely runs the show, and she's she's an operations expert. You know, she she understands how to make trains move, and an event is a big can of worms uh, around uh, organization and operations. And uh, and if that's not your thing, um, don't even try. And the other thing, as I would say, um, just you know, hot tip. Uh, forget about event planners. You know, that's a way to make your event cost like four or five or 10 times more than it needs to. We, you know, have uh, an internal uh, events team, which is literally like two people. They cost alone, you know, about as much as an event planner would cost because they care about our budget. They make Entrepalooza happen for, you know, literally probably a quarter of the cost of, of what it would cost if we just outsourced the whole thing. And and I'm not saying Entrepalooza is like cheaply produced. It's amazing. It is the it is for sure the the best um, show of the year in terms of production value. It's you know we they put on an amazing show um, that would cost you know multiple times more if if we outsourced the production of it. 
Wow, super helpful um, nugget. Because if you didn't say that, I would have said, you know, afterwards I would have been like, oh, you know, I probably need an event planner for if I wanted to do anything like that. So thanks for helping people save, you know, four to five X. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So talk about, I mean, going from a day trader, you mentioned you're a day trader. How do you go from day trader to an entrepreneur? You know, what caused that decision when you're making a lot of money and, you know, having, well, assuming, I mean, you're having a great time too. Hmm. Um, yeah, actually, both of those assumptions are are uh, are, are incorrect. Um, I, I didn't love day trading. I mean, I loved making a lot of money. That was cool, but uh, but I didn't love day trading. It was it's it's maybe the like highest stress, most like internally grueling job that I could ever imagine. Um, I'm sure there's other ones that are awful, but uh, but this was it's it's really you know kind of like emotionally taxing. And then the other thing was that by the time I quit day trading, I wasn't making a lot of money. I had made a lot of money from, from like 96 to about 2001. And then the market changed in various ways. And, uh, and basically our industry, the kind of the, the, the style of trading that we were doing uh, pretty much stopped working. I went from making a whole lot of money to like, you know, making 150 grand in 2001 or something like that. And, and for the amount of pain, that I was going through 150 grand wasn't worth it. So, uh, in, in late two, uh, 2001, I, I quit, um, trading and I actually took a few years off. I, I bought a piece of property here in Santa Barbara and I uh, built a house on it and uh, had a kid. And it wasn't until 2004 that I decided it was time to, you know, kind of like figure out my next act. So yeah, I just started kind of like looking, you know, it took a while, it took about a year to, to look for something that, looked like an opportunity that was worth investing my time in and, and uh, page one turned out to be it. Love it. Okay. So talk about one big struggle you faced while growing Entreport. Uh, one. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I, let me just start by saying it's all a struggle. Um, there's like a thousand and you know, it's, that's what entrepreneurship is, right? Like my, my, life is pretty much about problem solving, um, you know, kind of like all day long. So it's, it's, um, it's all, it's all just really hard. Like if you haven't noticed, but if you were to name one, that's maybe like kind of, you know, unique ish to our experience. It's that we've grown, you know, a significant six, seven, eight figure business, you know, without investment capital, really, we've taken a little bit of money early on, but, but, uh, but basically we bootstrapped this business and to get to the scale as a bootstrapped business has meant that we've done it, uh, you know, really lean and, um, and that, you know, we've never had, um, you know, a bunch of money to spend on anything that wasn't absolutely necessary. And we've also, you know, never had a big cushion in case things, you know, kind of went wrong until more recently. That challenge has, you know, limited our options in a lot of ways. And I think also, though, that it's, um, that's been a kind of a good and bad thing, you know. Uh, on one hand, you could argue that our biggest competitor, Infusionsoft, has benefited by having raised, you know, whatever it's been, $130 million. You know, they're a bigger business than us today. Uh, that's true. Um, but I also think, on the other hand, us having to focus on staying profitable uh, throughout our life has had us create a, kind of like a much stronger foundation, you know, for, um, for sure, you know, a company's, uh, 
like Infusionsoft and, and, and like many companies that take a bunch of money and, and buy growth, they lose a lot of money every month. And, uh, and, and they, they make a lot of decisions that are, um, you know, that are short-term oriented decisions um, that are, you know, kind of like forced on them from the pressure that comes with having investors. And, uh, and an advantage to us is that we've got a very solid foundation, you know, to this day, we're, we're a profitable business and, uh, there's just very few, um, businesses like ours that have that kind of solid foundation. And we've, we've never been forced to make, you know, short-term decisions, um, that undermine our long-term viability. Instead, we've, we've, from the very beginning, been able to just kind of take the long view and everything and really invest in our platform in ways that I am sure that our competitors wish they've, uh, they've had the luxury to do. I love that. I mean, you see everywhere, you know, all over the web right now, you know, well, first of all, the, the funding kind of atmosphere is, is drying up a little bit. And, you know, the, what was good, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody can kind of get funding. I think it's just, I think that the dream of everyone kind of, you know, going for that unicorn valuation just isn't realistic anymore. And I think, you know, the way of you, the, the how you guys did it, you, you know, you basically bootstrapped and, you know, aim for profitability. Um, I, I think, you know, that's something that that's very admirable and not, you know, more people should be doing. So I think that's great. Let me just add to it. You know, just as a founder, uh, it, since I'm speaking to founders, I'll just say that, like, you know, there's an advantage, which is that I also still control this business. I own a lot of it. And, um, and yeah, you know, it's not worth as much as a company 10 times the size, but I, have, I probably have 10 times more than, than you're going to have if you go down that road. So I'm not sure it's a worse scenario. Totally makes sense. So I think one other key thing to, to talk about, you know, you guys went from, you know, uh, doing, let's just say doing seven figures, a million a year, and then, you know, and then having like a 10 million a year business, let's just say for simplicity's sake, let's use those numbers. So what is the difference between having a seven and eight figure uh, a year business? Uh, well, it's the team, uh, you know, a seven figure business is, is, you know, I don't know, 10 people, seven people, uh, and, a, and, a, and an eight-figure business is 100 people or more. And um, that, as, you know, as a founder, is a dramatically different life and a dramatically different job. You know, when you're, when you're seven people, you can still manage everything. You can answer every question. You can, um, you can you know, drive every project. And you're still doing personally like a large portion of the work that's getting done in your business. Um, you know, at a, we're maybe a hundred, I don't know what, 120 maybe now. And at this point, you know, you know, way more goes on in my business that I don't know about than, than what I do know about. And, you know, maybe I'm responsible for, for 1% of the work that happens in this business. And, and when that's the case, you know, your job is different, right? It's, it's way more about, you know, setting the vision, um, getting the right people on the team, creating clarity around the goals and, um, and, and, you know, making sure that the teams are focused at a high level on, you know, the most important aspects of, of your project, you know, right now. Um, it's more about leadership, right, than it is about, um, you know, execution. Early on, it's just about, like, shipping, you know, getting stuff done and, you know, literally physically moving the ball forward yourself. And, um, and you know, that's just a, that's a, that's a completely different life um, as, you, as you make that kind of transition. 
Okay, and so I mean, how did you, you know, for a lot of people, you know, having to in the, in, you know, let's say going up to seven figures, you know, you have a lot of control. You're executing as the founder. How did you kind of learn to delegate and let go of things? Well, that's hard, and I think you know, again, if, if we're talking to founders and particularly tech founders here, um, you know, I'm a product guy. I design the product. I still, I still lead the product team here, and um, you know. This is, you know, this whole thing, not just the product, but the whole experience around Entreport. You know, it's 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 my baby, and I and I want it to be um, to be good. And so, letting go is hard. To be honest, I would say that it was more sort of ripped out of my hands than it was uh, <laughs> than it was uh, sort of like letting go. Um, you know, just by the scale of the thing. Like at some point, and the point is around seven or twelve people. Like you just you can't manage it all anymore, and and and. You know, you either delegate or, or stuff starts falling apart. Um, you know, I think that, that the smartest thing you can do as a, as a kind of a visionary founder is to get traction. Um, don't get an operations person before you have traction because good operations people are not wasting their time screwing around with startups that are wallowing around, right? Um, you need to, you know, good operations people are, are getting into serious real opportunities and, and that only happens after you've got real traction but as soon as you've got real traction as soon as you can say you know legitimately like look this thing is happening um then you should be out there looking for a, a coo or a president that is an you know operations oriented person and and letta came in and you know immediately um, just started taking things off my plate you know that was it well said what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self <laughs> I would say, and I don't know if this is what your crowd wants to hear, but, um, you know, this is a personal thing. If it was me, my 25 year old self, I probably would, um, would advise myself to, I mean, I don't know, man, that's a tough question. I did pretty good. I, when I was 25, 20, I, I moved to wall street and made a, you know, several million dollars. So I think I did okay. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, like, it would have been nice if I could have, uh, could have, you know, spent another five years traveling and seeing the world. You know, I'm now, since I was 25, I'm, I'm 44 now. So I've spent the last 20 years looking at computer screens. Um, and, uh, you know, I think putting that off as long as you can is probably wise in terms of your overall life, uh, the, you know, the arc of your life. Great. No, that, that's good. I, I think, uh, I don't think there's any like, you know, expected answer for that. So I think that's good feedback. What's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Oh crap. Uh, a must read book. Holy smokes. I'm just like looking at a wall of books. First of all, I would just say, uh, um, read books, you know, like I'm in my office right now, probably surrounded by, I don't know, a thousand books, most of which I've read. So, you know, especially earlier in your career, you, you know, you should be devouring uh, perspective from anywhere you can, you can get it. And, and books are, you know, the cheapest, best way to get perspective from, from top tier people. It must read. There's so many. The E-Myth is kind of like a foundational book. You know, that's weird. It's like simple now. But if you haven't read that book, um, you know, that's a concept that you, you need to have. I think you should be reading sales books. Uh, that's a big thing too. And there's, there's so many, um, you know, great, 
great sales books, Selling the Invisible. Uh, I'm just looking at my kind of like sales area. Um, Selling the Invisible, The Irresistible Offer, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got by Jay Abraham's good book. Um, uh, um, I think, you know, yeah, I would say, especially if you're talking to founders, technical founders in particular, um, product people in general, focus on sales. Too often we um, obsess about uh, our products and, and, and believe our own kind of bullshit too much. Uh, we think that everybody's, uh, everybody does or should think the way we think. And then we, you know, spend a bunch of time creating something and go out and get a cold, cold splash of water um, dumped in our face. Uh, and, and selling, you know, learning sales is a lot about learning to listen and learning to get into other, other people's perspectives and learning to create offers that, um, resonate and and that's a that's a crucial skill for particularly for for founders love it those books are all great we'll drop them all in the show notes landon this has been fantastic what's the best way for people to find you online well probably i mean the only way to find me online is in our in our onboard, uh user community uh that's the only only kind of public place unless you want to see pictures of my kid on instagram uh that's uh that's um that's where you find me. Awesome. Everyone, make sure you check out Entreport. I mean, it's great. You know, they freaking have a free version. And I think, you know, you can dip your feet in the toes if you don't have any type of, you know, automation set up yet. Yeah, definitely recommend checking it out. I've heard great things about it. Landon, thanks so much for doing this. Eric, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.